Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. The deal is this. Saul spent all his time, and this is a lesson we could learn from, he spent all his time fighting the wrong battle. What battles are you fighting? What wars are you choosing to engage in? What are the real things that really matter? We have to learn to discern, hey, let's not major in the minor issues. Let's deal with the big things as big things, and let the other things work themselves out. You see, I'm really not a fireman. I'm not a fireman. A lot of times people think that's what pastors are supposed to do. You're supposed to run around and put out everybody's little fires. I'm not a fireman. Hey, man, you got that kind of problem. It'll, that fire will burn itself out. I just don't worry about it. It'll just, it'll just burn, burn, burn until there's just no more fuel. I'm not going to throw any more fuel on that. That'll burn until it's just burned out. Done. Not for me to worry about. I won't engage in some of that stuff. You see, this is what I'm saying is it's not because we as Christians a lot of times don't get what some of these other things are, these big... But why engage? That is a trick of Satan to get lost in that debate, that issue over here, while all these other people are going to perish. He's gaining ground because he's deceived us to get engaged in the wrong battle. You get where I'm going with all that? You get where God's going with all that? You see the the end result of it? It's destructive. There's nothing good comes from it. Saul is distraught as he sees his circumstances such as they are. So you can kind of see the situation. And, but then on top of this, it leads to an inquiry with a satanic force. It's bad. Now Saul is so caught up in this stuff, he's going to, it was bad enough David consulted with himself. That ultimately had demonic, you know, his, he's going to get wicked counsel. He's going to get, you know, uh, deceptive thinking. You know, okay, we saw that with David. But now Saul's going directly to demonic forces to get insight and direction. Horrible situation. Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium. That's not a size. That's someone that's a, that's a spiritist. Then I may go to her and inquire of her. And as some of you just caught on, that's good. And his servants said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So he says, hey, there's this one gal that is you know, uh, basically a witch. She's involved in familiar spirits, you know, and, and engages in, in this demonic activity. And so Saul disguised himself. Now remember, he, again, this is kind of telltale of who he really is, huh? He disguises himself and put on other clothes and he went and two, two men with him in the middle of verse eight, and they came to the woman by night And he said, please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Now, the woman says to him, oh, look, you know that Saul has, what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay snare for my life to cause me to die? She says, look, if I do this and Saul finds out I'm a dead person, you know, I don't want to get, you know, I'm not going to do that. This is kind of, you know how dark side stuff kind of goes that way. You know, 
somebody's trying to buy substance from somebody else, you know, well, hey, who, you, why, there's this whole dialogue that goes on because you want to find out if it's, you know, like Veronica or somebody that's undercover and you just don't know that. So, you know, who are you really buying from? You got to be careful, you see? She disguised herself as a lot of different things. That was, that was a whole nother time period. Um, but you don't know who you're speaking with, right? You don't know who you're talking to. And so there were things that you would ask to find out, well, that's what she's doing. She's like, hey, I don't really know who I'm talking with here. She sure didn't, did she? Saul himself. But Saul, she doesn't know it's him, swore to her by the Lord, oddly enough, now we've dragged God into this somehow, saying, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Isn't it funny that they would use that as your highest grade amongst the spirit? I just think this stuff's interesting, you know? That's still used as the highest grade of testing that you'd say, well, you know, I swear by God, you know. It's, like, you know, it's kind of funny. Why, why would a spirit, you know, they're into demonic forces, you know. Well, it, the demons recognize who God is and shudder. Crazy. So he's gone. He's found this gal. The, the guys have found a medium woman for him. And they lead him over there. He talks her into doing this. He says, hey, no, there's, I won't do anything like that. I won't let Saul know you've done anything like this. This is kind of the way the, the dialogue goes. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? Have you seen these things? Watch, click through the channels. I hope you're not watching them for any length of time, but sometimes you're clicking through the channels and you see you know, these people that are doing this stuff on TV now. Their meetings are having or whatever, that the idea is they've got this little gathering, this little encampment of people, and they're kind of start talking with them about, hey, so, you know, boom, you know, they bring out this little thing and they bring out this little thing. Oh, how could they have known, you know? I only told my great grandma and she's been dead for years. And, you know, okay? This gets interesting. This gets interesting as we kind of peel this back just for a moment. Who do you want me to bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. Samuel. This now might seem a little bit suspicious. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. Now, whether this got spoken out or what exactly transpired is not clear, but something tripped the trigger and she knew, okay, this is Samuel and this is Saul. And man, this is, this is a weird deal. Something crazy is going on. Why have you deceived me? And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit descending out of the earth. This gal, she cries out in verse 12 with this loud voice. This is what's interesting. She was more shocked than anybody that this actually worked. See, this is the thing. This is the interesting thing. This idea about familiar spirits, this is one of the, the things. And one of the reasons it's called that, familiar spirits or this type of interaction, Satan doesn't know what you're thinking. Satan doesn't know what you're thinking. But he and his henchmen, the demonic forces, watch. They watch and they calculate. 
and they know this and then this reaction, this and that reaction, this and that. They know because they plot and they watch. So they become what? Familiar, familiar spirits. They become familiar with you, with me, with the patterns. They know the past. They don't know what's happening in your mind and really don't know much out, way out there. They have limited information out into the future. But they don't because they said to Jesus at one point, you know, it, it is not, it's not our time. So they must have some insight that there is a, a time coming. You know, there's some things you got to think through and work through with that. But this main thought is it's, it's a familiar spirit. And so there's this watching. And so the only things they would know are by observation, by just watching. And then they can plot and they can plan because they know the reaction and the interaction. They know what was said. Okay. Oh, well, you know, I only told my great grandma and she's been dead. But see, they would know the past and they could know what was said. They could know that and they could bring that back out. Thing is, a couple things. The, the demonic realm, one, is very real. This is one thing you got to remember. I got to remember. We got to remember. It's very real. The spirit realm is very real, both good and evil. It's very real. This is not something to be tampered with. As a matter of fact, no doubt we were warned in Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 14, warned very clearly about you know, demonic forces and about that activity that goes on. If you write in your Bible like I do, you'll find if you turn back to that, when we taught through it, you have a bunch of notes on there. Some of us do. But there's a, it's, it's a dangerous thing. They were to be put out of the land, removed from, you know, they're not supposed to be messing around. People think, you know, the Ouija boards and all this stuff, it's just, there's no big thing. And okay, I understand that. But the, the deal is, is there are demonic forces. And okay, some people say, oh, there's no such thing as a gateway drug. Oh, I disagree. Now, somebody who is involved in drugs will tell you, yeah, no way, you know, I just do this. Well, yeah, that's today. But what happens when you're just not getting, getting high on that anymore that much, and so you want to go do that? And I guarantee you, guaranteed, 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 that drugs are for sure a part of the demonic realm as far as traveling into places. It, it's kind of like a door. Substance and stuff can kind of be like a door to go into the spirit realm, as it were, and go places that we don't need to go and don't need to be a part of. It's, it's dangerous. We've got to be guarded against that, and others need to be cautious about that. This is something that is prevalent and something that's around and available in our world today that we see a lot of, and this is why some of it is so even some of the crimes we see and all these things, it's because it's demonic of its origin. And drug-induced things can also be part of that. It's pretty frightening. Some of us who have unfortunately been a part of some things have been places, and, and you just know it's horrible. 
but there's just, it's dangerous, dangerous stuff to, to mess with. And um, so this gal is as surprised as anybody because it's kind of a smoke and mirrors thing normally. This fact that actually Samuel actually kind of shows up. Now, God allowed that likely, obviously, clearly to occur. It wasn't her forces. It wasn't that she had control. She's surprised it even happened. She, you know, wow, Samuel, you know, she's surprised this even happened. So it's not as, um, it's not like she was expecting to actually see that she was maybe going to get a word from this or something out of the past or something, but to actually have this encounter was pretty freaky for her too. Warren said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of earth. And so this, now, this is going to get interesting. We're going to break this down real quick in just a moment. But let me get through this first part with this verse 14. So uh, he said to her, what is, is his form? He said, an old man coming up and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he dropped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines. So he's actually interacting with this spirit. For the Philistines make war against me, but God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, so why do you ask me? He says, why are you bugging me with this, dude? Basically, that's, it, it's, it's like, hey, if God's not talking to you, what do you think? I got nothing to say to you. Do you ever think that? Maybe we should think that. If God's not speaking to someone, what makes you think you've got better advice? You ever thought about that? If God's not speaking to that situation, what makes you think you have better input? Now, does that mean that we can't give biblical input? Does that mean we can't shed some light on a situation? Oh yeah, I'm all for that. But don't think that your input is gonna be better than anything God could speak to it. Sometimes God's silence is his speaking in, in a sense, you know? in a situation. Some of you know about waiting on the Lord and the importance of that, the good things that come for those who wait. Why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself what he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and has given it to your neighbor, David. Just as remember, he had said in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Now, this is interesting. So, is Saul going to heaven then. We've got to work through this. We've got to take the, the easy stuff and the difficult stuff. We've got to work through it a little bit. We've got to think about it. Now, this is Old Testament, right? This is Old Testament. How did the eternal realm work for a human being that died during that time period? What we have is some insight from, clearly, direction from the Lord, you know, he, he made a few statements that kind of gave us some insight. Then also we have what Jesus spoke about that is 
it used to be, but now because we have good teaching for the last, you know, maybe 50 some years, not that they wasn't good teaching prior to that, but we've had a little better exegetical work on some of these topics, because you'll notice some of your older Bibles, some of the ones that we got, I got, I'll just say, use myself, some of the older Bibles that I would have gotten when I was a kid, and a revised standard, for example, would have called Luke chapter 16, in Luke 16, would have called that the parable It was referred to as a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. But there's a thing called parabolic consistency when you study through the scriptures and you find out, well, wait a minute. Jesus never used proper names in any parables. So this is a literal story. Now, any Bible you get now, it doesn't, in Luke chapter 16, it doesn't say the parable of, it just says the rich man and Lazarus. They've removed that because it's not really an accurate Um, assessment of the intent of the Lord. So in that period of time, and maybe this will help some of my um, recovering Catholic friends, that this is something that will help you sort through kind of some bits and pieces of this, is because this is where you saw two compartments, okay? Originally, so Hades, Sheol, Hades, center of the earth, had two compartments. There was both the ones that were looking forward to the cross, believing that salvation would come, looking forward to the cross, believing that God would provide a sacrifice. God, you know, they believed by faith that God would, was going to take care. They go into a place called paradise, compartment one, or referred to also as Abraham's bosom. So that's Compartment one. Jesus referred to it to the guy on the, next to him on the cross. What did he say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. So it's also referred to as paradise or Abraham's bosom. Now then Paul gives us a little insight into in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. He gives us a little insight and he says, he says that Jesus first had to descend, that he that had to descend would also ascend. He said he had to go into the lower parts, setting the captives free, basically those that had been held captive. Who? Who would that be? Those who didn't believe in God and that were... So the other part was those who were in torment. Two parts, two compartments. But once Jesus ascended, now you remember, we can also read in the scriptures that they were seen prophets of old wandering the streets of Jerusalem after his ascension. He was crucified. He had, he would, had gone down, and, and now he's revealing himself to the disciples. Ultimately, then, you have the full you know, ascension up into the right hand of the Father, and they would then ultimately travel with, right? Because now, so you and I, we die as New Testament believers. We go into the presence of the Lord. We're with the Lord. You see, we're not down in those, that now it's just one. But at that time, there was a big gulf that separated the two. Now that doesn't exist because you see, Jesus was crucified. Atonement was made for sin. He went down. He got those that had been held in the kind of Abraham's bosom, the, the, the holding tank, you know, went down, got them, took them, went up. 
Some of them were seen wandering the streets of Jerusalem. Phew, and then ultimately, they all go. with. The, I believe that's part of the, the cloud that he ascended into the heaven with the, with the cloud. I believe that's likely possible that that's part of that representation. So he goes up into the presence of the, uh, up to the Father and they travel with him. Now you and I, we leave the planet, we go re- directly to the Lord. It's, or you leave the planet, you don't know Jesus Christ, boom, you go directly down in torment. Now, ultimately, that tank is gonna be, that's gonna be opened up, that holding tank is gonna be opened up and that holding tank, then those people are brought before the white throne judgment. So we aren't ever going to stand as Christians before the white throne. We stand before, remember, the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. So two different things. The judgment seat of Christ is what did you do? And this is why I, I hit this whenever I can. I, I try and talk so openly about it. We're going to stand there and it's going to be, gosh, Jim, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? And there's going to be eyes that are burning like brass, you know, red, penetrating, looking at me. And by God's grace and his mercy, all the stuff that I did that was stupid, that was a waste of time, that meant nothing, is just going to burn away. Thank God, you know, hopefully minimal, small bonfire. A bonfire, nonetheless, I'm sure, hopefully small, to be consumed quickly. Our God is a consuming fire. Good. We want that stuff consumed. What did you do with what? Well, you know. And then the things that were done that were motivated by his love, that were motivated by the power of his Holy Spirit, those are survive the testing of the fire. Those, are, those aren't wood, hay, and stubble. Those are precious stones. Those are good things that matter. This is why, you guys, it's not, this isn't for me when I kind of harp on those things. It isn't for me. I want to see you with just crowns of jewels. I want you to be able to toss those things in front of the Lord just to honor him when it's all said and done. It's for you. It's not for me. I will stand for myself and what I did or didn't do. But as a pastor, I want to share the truth. Man, you're going to stand before the Lord. I want you to stand there and get all that he has for you. And so what you do that's motivated by his love and his grace, the power of his spirit, those are the things that count. Everything else, even though it was a good thing, even though it was a noble thing, if it wasn't motivated by that, it's going to burn. Every day you got 24 hours just like me. We all have the same. That's what God's given us. This is what I'm saying. This is why we don't waste our time fighting the wrong battles. You see, we only have so much time. Thank you for tuning in today and for listening to the radio program, for listening to God's Word. And I know God has a perfect plan for your life, and it starts, really, by giving our hearts to the Lord. If you've not given your heart to the Lord or you're just in a place where you're, you, you have a sense that you're distant from God and you just want to open your life up to the Lord, you know, the Word says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord 
and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that great to know that we have a God that's full of grace and mercy, that he's willing to pardon all of our sin, to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. It's a simple prayer just to give your life to Jesus. Man, all things become new when we give our lives to the Lord. If you just pray this simple prayer along with me, Jesus, I want to open my heart up to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me of my sin, my unrighteousness, that you would pardon me. I thank you so much for that grace and mercy that you've shown me. Lord, thank you for the love that put you on the cross, that you did that willingly for me. And Lord, again, I I just open my heart to you. I receive you as my personal Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for that free gift of everlasting life that you've given me. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.